Welcome to Slim and Satisfied, a podcast about weight loss for women dealing with hormonal imbalances. I'm Daphna Chazen, registered dietitian and weight loss coach, and I invite you to join me weekly for conversations, practical strategies, and resources that will lead you on the right path to feeling satisfied with your body and your life. And now, let's get to today's episode. Well, hey there, and welcome back. I'm so excited that you've decided to join me today for another episode of the Slim and Satisfied podcast. I'm your host, Daphna Chazen, and today I'm sharing another Facebook Live that I did recently in my PCOS Insiders group all about cravings. If you're not a member of Insiders yet, come on over and join us because this is your opportunity to work with me for free, get your questions answered, and just get in touch with me and get more support and accountability on your health journey. I decided to talk about cravings because this is definitely one of the biggest concerns women come to me for help with. So I would say that with women with PCOS, weight management, controlling diabetes, dealing with cravings, as well as other symptoms like acne and hair loss, anxiety and depression are all up there in the top common symptoms that we see and work with. And believe it or not, all of the things that I just mentioned can be managed with diet. So it all has to do with hormonal balance and making sure that you're eating the right foods very strategically to manage those specific symptoms. So what I talked about in the episode that I'll share with you today is how to manage cravings with diet. We also touched on a couple other ways to manage cravings, but I want you to focus on doing the basics first. And I talked about this in the video. So you're gonna hear me talk about the basics, which are your meals, the timing, your food environment. These are all things that are super crucial to dial in before you go to anything else, before you go to supplements, before you start working on stress management. Those things are important for sure, and I want you to work on them, but first get the low-hanging fruit really dialed in, and that's your diet and what you're doing throughout your day as far as your eating behaviors. So if you're one of the 97% of the population that's dealing with cravings, I think you're gonna enjoy this episode, and specifically, if you have PCOS, you're gonna find a few gems in here, and again, I invite you to join PCOS Insiders. You can find the link in the show notes below. And also, if you're enjoying this podcast, if you've been a loyal listener, first of all, thank you so much. I truly appreciate it because I know there are a lot of other podcasts out there. I'd like to think mine is the one that really helps women with practical advice for PCOS and weight management, but I know you have a choice. So if you've decided to listen in today and in previous episodes, thank you. I really appreciate you. And if you wouldn't mind to take a moment and subscribe to the podcast, as well as leave me a review. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave me a positive review. It helps my message get spread to more people, and I would really, really appreciate it. It only takes a couple seconds, and it would mean the world to me. So thank you. All right, so without any further ado, let's get into my Facebook Live for my PCOS Insiders group, All About Cravings everyone hope you're doing well hope your thursday is going great and that you had a good week we have the flu in my house so this has been a crazy day crazy week and i'm sorry i'm a few minutes late but the reason for this is that right as i was getting ready to go live my son who has the flu threw up so i had to kind of manage that you know so things happen it's all good i'm here now and we're going to talk about cravings today so Let's get started. I wanted to talk about this because this is a very popular topic 
that I get asked about. And a lot of women with PCOS do experience cravings and we want to manage them. We want to make sure that we're ahead of our cravings so that they don't control us, right? That they don't start dictating what we eat and how much we eat and how frequently we eat. We want to stay on top of it. So not in a controlling kind of obsessive way, but in a way that feels good and feels like you're healthy, you're managing, you're staying ahead of your cravings. And let's get started by talking a little bit about what cravings really are. So we know that about 97% of the population, men, women, PCOS, no PCOS, 97% of the population experiences cravings and cravings are fairly normal to experience. And I'm going to explain why. So I don't know who the other 3% are that are not experiencing cravings, but the vast majority of people, especially women and particularly women with PCOS, come to me with complaints of feeling cravings all the time, not just around the cycle, but all throughout the month. So this is something that's a big area of topic and conversation in my one-on-one -on -one appointments and in my groups for sure. And the reason cravings are a little bit tricky, it's because they're very impulsive. So by definition, a craving is a desire or an urge to eat that comes on abruptly. It's going to come on very rapidly and then it's going to linger. It's going to feel like it's not going away until you're satisfying it. And usually you're going to be thinking about a very specific food. So one of the characteristics of cravings as opposed to regular hunger is that they're very specific. You're craving one specific thing or one type of food. Usually it's going to be a carby or some type of salty or sweet, very high fat food. So thinking about things like ice cream or French fries or potato chips, those are usually the things people go for. And we're going to talk about why that may be, but we usually are very specific, very intentional with our cravings. We want one specific thing. We want that, you know, very specific food, and we're not going to get satisfied until we eat that specific food. Now, we're going to talk about how to prevent this, how to not get to the point where that only one specific food is going to do it. But before we do that, I want you to think about cravings as a normal thing. They're a normal part of our hunger and satiety cycles, and they're really meant to keep us alive, believe it or not. So the body's main job is to make sure we stay alive. And any time that it perceives a need for food or that there's some sort of a stressor, and we're going to talk about stress, and if you experience stress like everyone else who doesn't, you probably know that when you're stressed or when you're feeling emotional, cravings increase typically. So you're going to feel more cravy if you're stressed. But when the body perceives stress, it's going to make you seek out those foods. It's going to trigger more cravings. It's going to trigger your brain to release certain chemicals that signal to you to eat. And it's usually going to signal you to eat not a kale salad. It's going to signal you to eat carby things. So we are somewhat hardwired to crave food and to seek out specific types of food when the body feels the need to. So it's normal. So anytime you feel a craving, the first thing I want you to do is tell yourself, I feel a craving for this food and that is normal because there is a mechanism that's biological that's going to trigger you to have that craving and that's important to know. Now, I want you to also think about cravings as they relate to hormonal health. So it's not just that we're seeking food to stay alive because obviously the body doesn't know that 
even if we don't eat that Snicker bar, we're still going to stay alive, right? Clearly, right now, our situation is different than it was thousands of years ago and millions of years ago. So we want to think about that in terms of our hormonal health. And a lot of times what happens in PCOS with sex hormones like progesterone and estrogen, as well as, like I just said, stress hormones, so cortisol, and insulin, which we spoke about a lot last week, these are all the hormones that come into play when it comes to managing cravings on the hormonal level. So I'm going to share with you a little bit about that. And I just wanted to start off by telling you that cravings are this really strong urge to eat. They're perfectly normal. The body's hardwired to trigger you to crave food and that there are also some hormones that are coming into play. Now, some women feel more cravings around their menstrual cycle, which is really related to the hormones that I just mentioned. So it makes sense that estrogen and progesterone are playing a role because around menstrual cycle and throughout the month, those hormones fluctuate and they go up, they go down. So different things are happening. So I want to jump into talking a little bit about, and I prepared an outline so I don't forget a thing. So I want to talk a little bit about why we think people experience cravings. So we talked about what they are. We talked about how common. I want to talk about why we think people experience cravings and what could be happening here. So like a lot of things with nutrition and wellness and the body, we don't know everything. We don't have all the answers and cravings are definitely falling into this category where we're not exactly sure, and each person's going to have different things happening when they have cravings. So it's not like, okay, craving for chocolate is X, craving for potato chip is Y, right? So it doesn't work that way. But as I'm going through potential reasons, and of course, I'm going to tell you what to do about it at the end, I want you to start thinking about what, what could be happening for you. What of those things that I'm mentioning may be relevant to your situation, and that will help you pinpoint where to start working. Where do you need to prioritize your attention? Because you're not going to be doing everything all the time, right? We want to be realistic. When it comes to health, it's very, very important that we're realistic about it. We're keeping down to earth because you're not going to be working. You know, it's not going to become your second job or third or fourth job to manage your health. If it's becoming too time consuming, it gets discouraging and you can get burnt out. So I want you to prioritize. Always work on the things that you think are going to give you the biggest return. And those are usually the things that are either happening every day. So if we're going to talk about meals or we're going to talk about sleep, if there's an issue there, those are likely things that are happening on a daily basis, and those are where you want to prioritize your attention. You want to start there. That's the low-hanging fruit, okay? So let's talk a little bit about some of the reasons why we may experience cravings. We talked previously about insulin, and I'm going to touch on it here, but one related thing to insulin is appetite control. So a lot of women that come to work with me are poorly controlling their appetite. Their appetite is not well managed. And what I mean by this is that they either go too long without eating or they're having meals that are too small and they're still slightly hungry when they're done, but they're so busy, they're on the go, so they don't complete their meals. They don't take the time to eat a nice, balanced, full meal that's going to satisfy them, and then they get hungry again an hour or two later. So managing your appetite proactively meaning you're anticipating when your next meal is going to be and you're working to keep your appetite curbed is a very important thing. If you're not managing your appetite well, you're putting yourself at a high risk 
or high vulnerability for cravings. And when we have a craving and we're hungry, we're much less likely to choose the right type of food. We're much less likely to stick with the right amount. And we're also much less likely to be satisfied. So that craving is probably still going to linger even after we eat. And anyone here who's ever had a very busy day when maybe you didn't eat such structured meals and then you came home, you had a big dinner because you were famished, and then you felt the urge to snack after dinner, it could be because your day is backfiring a little bit. The fact that you didn't have enough food during your day is now backfiring after dinner, even though you already had a meal. So a lot of people still feel snacky and cravy after dinner. Sometimes that's an indication that you're not eating enough during the day. Maybe you're over-restricting and you're not managing your appetite so well. So that's one main reason that I see a lot of women have cravings. The second reason is related to insulin. So remember from last week, we talked about how when we eat and the food gets broken down to glucose, the job of insulin is to get that glucose into the cells. However, If insulin is not properly functioning, as in insulin resistance, right, we get too much insulin, it's not doing its job, so the cells are not getting the sugar that they need for energy. So now we have cells that are essentially starved. So the cells are not getting the sugar, they're not producing energy, and they're just kind of like, what's going on? I can't function like this. I need the sugar. Let's send a signal to the brain to eat more sugar because there's clearly not enough in the system. So this could be another reason why someone has cravings. If you have insulin resistance, your brain is likely to release more neurotransmitters, which are essentially chemical messengers that are going to signal you to eat more carby, more sugary foods in order to get that energy into the cell. Now, what is this going to do? It's going to make things a little worse, right? So this is why we have to work backwards and kind of prevent this from happening in the first place. So we're going to talk about what that may look like. The next thing I want to talk about is hormonal fluctuations. So we already talked about some of the hormones that could be making a difference here, specifically around the menstrual cycle. What we know is that estrogen is a hormone that helps the body produce dopamine. Dopamine is one of those neurotransmitters. It's one of those chemical messengers that the brain releases in order to feel calm, feel satiated, feel satisfied and happy, right? So dopamine and serotonin are both neurotransmitters that the brain releases when we feel good and happy. Now, both of those neurotransmitters are also secreted after we eat carbs. So let's tie this all together. If a woman with PCOS has low estrogen, which some do, some have high estrogen, so you could be having one or the other. If you have low estrogen, you're likely to experience cravings all throughout the month because your dopamine levels are likely low as well. So the brain is constantly going to try to get you to that happy, satiated place, and it's going to trigger you to eat carbs because remember, carbs also increase dopamine. So that's one scenario. And then the other scenario, if you get them more around your menstrual cycle, that's usually when estrogen drops, right? In the second part of the cycle, which is the luteal phase, estrogen usually will drop and then progesterone will go up. And when estrogen drops, guess what? Dopamine could be dropping. This is partly why women feel more anxious, more irritable around their period because there's less dopamine. And then again, 
carb cravings, we want that dopamine up. So this could be what's going on or part of what's going on, especially within like the difference between having cravings throughout the month or having them only around your period, estrogen, the fluctuations and the ups and downs in estrogen could be playing a role here. The other thing that could be happening is related to cortisol. So cortisol is a stress hormone that the body releases, and I'm sure you've heard, and maybe I've mentioned it here before as well, but cortisol is released when we feel stress. So when we feel physical or emotional stress, and we talked a little bit about the difference between small day-to-day stressors and big life stressors last week, so go back to that if you missed it, but when we have cortisol that's increasing We also have increased appetite because, again, the body wants to keep us surviving. It wants to keep our energy up, so it's going to increase the appetite. It's going to make us want to eat more food and specifically very calorie-dense foods like carbohydrates or high-fat foods. So if cortisol is going up and appetite is going up, you can see how I could be having more cravings if I'm constantly stressed. So these are all things that could be coming into play And again, there's a lot that goes on. It doesn't really matter what's happening specifically, right? So I don't want you to get too bogged down with which neurotransmitter or which hormone. None of that really matters, but I want you to think about insulin. I want you to think about going too long without eating, managing your appetite. The things that we can control more easily, those are great places to start. Regardless of what the cause of your specific cravings is, you can still do a lot to manage them. So I'd like you to get started, like I said, with the lower hanging fruit and really thinking about what you can do in your day-to-day to manage them. All right, so let's go into talking about what can we do to manage it. So what are some of the things that we could be doing to manage cravings and get them a little bit more under control? So I want to get started with the basics because A lot of times I see people jump to taking supplements and all kinds of beverages and shakes and oils and teas and all of those things, which are fine and good. If you've determined that they're the right fit for you, go for it. I think that's okay. But if you don't have the foundation, if you don't have the basics, you're going to be missing out. You're not going to be getting the same results. So it's really, really important that we master the basics first and then we move on into fine-tuning with things like supplements and stuff like that. So let's talk about the basics. When it comes to cravings, I want to talk about meals specifically. So I'm sure you've already heard, and we talked a lot about this last time, is that meals have to be balanced, and that means they are containing enough protein, but not too much. Protein is one of the nutrients that can really help curb cravings, but you have to incorporate it into every single meal. So there are different forms, there are plant-based proteins, there are animal-based proteins, and I want you to make sure that you're not eating too much protein because if you go over somewhere around 100 grams per day, studies show that it's not beneficial for women with PCOS. It can also increase insulin resistance and cause a lot of different um, issues, also burden the kidneys. So you don't want to overdo it on protein. This is probably one of the biggest misconceptions is that more protein is better. That's not necessarily true. Not to mention protein contains calories. It contains the exact amount of calories as carbohydrates. So you want to make sure that you're not overdoing it if you're concerned about your weight as well. 
So you want to incorporate protein into every single meal. If you're eating dairy in the morning, that could be something like a Greek yogurt or cottage cheese or eggs. Those are great. You can also incorporate protein powders if you're interested in creating a shake on your own and kind of getting the protein from a powder. That's fine. And then, of course, chicken, fish, turkey, all the common proteins that we all know about. Make sure that you're having them in every single meal. And again, don't overdo it. They need to be balanced out by a little bit of carbohydrates and some fats. Now, the other thing that I want to talk about is snacks, because when you eat snacks, I would much rather, and I think women do better, so I would much rather you eat a fat-based snack with some protein. So it could be something like hard-boiled and avocado. That will help. Fat is very satiating. It's very satisfying, and it stays longer in the system. It takes a little bit longer to digest. So it's something that can really help keep your appetite under control and prevent those cravings from popping up. So avocado with a hard-boiled eggs, that's a perfect example of a fat and a protein combined together. Or again, if you're eating dairy, so a Greek yogurt with pumpkin seeds or sunflower seeds, that could be a great example as well. You can do different things as far as the fat and protein and get creative with it. I mean, you could do a nut butter with some sort of a protein with it. So I would consider peanut butter or almond butter as a fat source, not so much a protein source, but you can add a protein to it if you'd like. So these are some examples of how to combine a protein and a fat together. And if, you, by the way, you don't have my PCOS proof guide, go ahead and get that because there are some examples of snacks there that are perfectly balanced for you. You can go to DaphnaChazen.com forward slash PCOS plan. I have some examples in there and I also put the link to that here. So we talked about incorporating a protein. We talked about making sure that you're eating fat and protein in between your meals as opposed to carbs, okay? And even if you do end up eating a carbohydrate, so whether it's even pretzels or even a fruit, make sure you're pairing it with a fat. So if you did an apple with the peanut butter, that's better than eating an apple on its own. Even though it's a perfectly healthy snack, don't eat those carbs alone. And then on the same token, I want you to make sure that in your meals, you're not incorporating too many foods that may seem healthy, but are actually higher in sugar and carbs. So for example, I had a client the other day, she was eating yogurt with granola and blueberries for breakfast, which is okay. But here's the thing, sometimes both yogurt and granola can have a lot of sugar. So this could mean, first of all, this meal is all carbohydrates, right? The yogurt does have some protein, but not quite enough to balance out the other components of carbohydrates in the meal. So I want you to make sure that when you're eating the carbohydrates, you're looking at sugar content, you're not overdosing on carbs all in one sitting, even if they're good, healthy carbs like fruit. Okay. So that's going to help balance your meals out. And that's the first step. These are the basics as far as the meals in terms of managing those cravings. So you want to make sure they contain a protein, not too many carbs. I also had someone uh, last week who was eating whole grain tortillas with black beans, some vegetables, and then a piece of corn on the side. That's another example. There's not a lot of sugar in that meal, but there are a lot of carbs in that meal, right? Because we have the tortilla, even though it's whole grain, it still contains carbs. We have the beans and then we have the corn. There's not enough protein, even though the beans contain protein, just not enough protein in that meal. 
it's very carb heavy. So that person's likely to have some cravings later in the day because the meal didn't contain enough protein to keep them satiated. And then we talked about the carbohydrates. We talked about the healthy fats as a snack. And then the last thing I'm going to mention is artificial sweeteners. You want to make sure that you're eliminating them as much as possible because there are some studies, not a whole lot, but some studies. And I know from my personal experience and from working with clients that artificial sweeteners can trigger cravings. So it's not just Splenda or Sweet and Low that you add to tea or coffee. It's also things like diet sodas or any type of diet beverage for that matter, or things that are typically labeled as no sugar added or carb friendly will likely have aspartame or sucralose. So always look at the label and make sure that you're omitting those because they can trigger cravings as well. Because what happens is if you drink a diet soda, your body thinks that you're eating something sugary because it's sweet, but blood sugar doesn't go up. And some studies even show that it doesn't raise blood sugar, but it does raise your insulin levels. So sometimes people will feel like their blood sugar is dipping after they eat something that has artificial sweeteners in it or drink something with an artificial sweetener. And that could be because insulin levels have gone up and lowered blood sugar even more. And that can oftentimes lead to cravings. Okay. So we talked about meals. Some of the basics are there. Timing of meals is also very important. So I usually recommend eating every four hours, almost on the clock. So you want to be a little bit hungry, and we spoke a little bit about hunger levels. You always want to be gauging your appetite. So if you go on a scale of zero to five, with zero being famished and five being totally full, you never want to be on either one of those extremes. And when you're appropriately hungry before a meal, you should be somewhere around one or a two. And when you're done, you should be somewhere around maybe a four, right? So you never want to be at the extreme. You want to be appropriately hungry before your meals and make sure that you're going the three to four hours so that your meals hold you over for that long. If you need a snack, you're going to have the snack that we just talked about. But for the most part, the meal should be enough to hold you over for four hours, Not skipping is going to help your body get into a rhythm and it's not going to trigger you to eat at random times, which is oftentimes what happens with cravings. The other thing that we know and I see all the time is with breakfast. I want you to eat a breakfast probably within 90 minutes of waking up. It doesn't have to be a big one, but something so that your insulin levels stay controlled throughout the day. We know that when people skip breakfast, their insulin levels after lunch are way higher than they need to be. It's like almost this overreaction of insulin because you were essentially fasting all morning and then you ate something and insulin is just shooting up way high. We don't want that. So eat something within 90 minutes of waking up and then every four hours after that, that should be enough to get you satiated and controlled as far as your cravings go. So we talked about the meals. We talked about timing Let's talk about keeping your food environment safe. And this is actually a big part of the guide that I created because I truly believe it's so important. So keeping your food environment safe really means that you're getting triggers out of your personal space. And if you're someone who spends more time at work 
than at home, then your personal space is your workspace, right? So wherever your personal space is, wherever you spend most of your time, you want to make sure that that food environment is safe. And that means all your triggers can't be in your pantry, right? So when you open your pantry and you see all of those triggering chocolates and cookies and foods, you're going to go for them. So in my guide, I incorporated this pantry purge that's going to help you get rid of some of those foods specifically for PCOS, looking at specific things on the label and specific ingredients because you want to keep it as healthy and safe as possible. And when I say safe, I mean you're not feeling compelled to go to the pantry and then feel bad about it, right? You're not feeling compelled to eat something and then regret it. So keeping your food environment very safe and stocking it with options that are going to be healthy, that are going to feel good to you, but are also going to be good for you, right? So it's a little bit of a balance. So that's really important, making sure that all your triggers are out of your personal space. Let's talk a little bit about sleep because that's the next thing. And now when I'm going, like I'm I'm thinking of managing cravings almost like a pyramid where the foundation is the meals the spacing and keeping your food environment safe. Then we move on to the next tier, which is sleep and stress. And then we have supplements. So when you think of a pyramid, this is how I structure treating cravings when someone comes to work with me. Because again, the foundation is the most important. And usually that's enough. Usually when someone implements these things, it's enough for them to feel way less cravy and feel more in control. Sometimes it's not enough and we need to then look at sleep, look at stress and work with supplements, which is where we'll go next. So the reason that sleep is so important is because when we're sleep deprived or when we don't get good quality sleep, it actually messes up our hormones even more. So there are two hormones specifically that come into play here and they're called leptin and ghrelin. And both of those hormones are appetite control hormones. So ghrelin is a hormone that makes us hungry. So the more ghrelin my body releases, the hungrier I'll feel. And naturally, that is usually highest. Ghrelin is usually highest. It peaks before meals. And then leptin does the opposite. So it keeps us full. It makes sure that we know we're full. So toward the end of the meal, ghrelin is going to go down. And leptin, which is a hormone that tells me I'm full, it goes up so that I stop eating. Well, when we sleep, and if you've ever been sleep deprived, you likely know that you feel extra hungry the following day. Part of it is because you're tired and your body is seeking energy. And the other part is that we see an inversion of these two hormones, meaning leptin is going to go down and ghrelin is going to go up all the time. So I'm constantly hungry and I'm not getting the signal that I'm full. So it's a double whammy. I'm seeking out food and I eat and I never feel satiated. And a lot of it has to do with sleep deprivation. So that's why getting your sleep dialed in is very important. I'm not saying that if you have a problem with sleep, you're going to go to sleeping 10 hours a night. Maybe that's an extreme. But if you're currently getting less than six hours a night, I would say that's a very strong area of priority. That's an area that you want to take a close look at and see, are you using devices well into the night? Are you not getting the right sun and darkness exposure? And maybe your circadian rhythm, which is the mechanism in the brain that manages our sleep and awake cycle is not correct, right? And that has to do with exposure to light and darkness. 
Maybe you're exercising at night and maybe that's not right for your body. Maybe that stimulates your body a little bit too much. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety. I did a wonderful episode about anxiety actually with my sister, who's a therapist who specializes in anxiety. So if you go to my podcast page, you're going to see that episode Anxiety is very important when it comes to sleep and overall health in general. So you want to take a look at that if sleep is a problem for you. But just know that if you're not sleeping well and you're trying to manage your health and your weight and PCOS, that's an uphill battle because sleep is so important for hormonal health, okay? Let's talk a little bit about supplements. But actually, before that, I want to talk about when cravings are more emotional. So, so far I spoke about what to do with your diet and being very tactical about it as far as what you're eating and how you're spacing things and how you're managing your appetite. But sometimes cravings have nothing to do with that and they're more emotional, right? And I really think that is something that's harder to manage, but it's possible. So, What I do with my clients, if someone's eating more emotionally or if they're expressing kind of a desire to eat that's based more on feelings, and it doesn't have to be negative. So sometimes people eat to celebrate or we eat when we're bored, which is more of a neutral feeling. But certainly if someone feels anxious or stressed or depressed, there's a desire to eat there in order to soothe. And what I usually work with people on is thinking about how it truly makes you feel, right? So usually when we eat to soothe an emotion, the relief is very temporary. It doesn't really last. So I want you to really think about how can you truly get to the bottom of what you're feeling in a way that's not involving food so that you can get longer term relief. And a lot of times it starts with journaling. If you're someone who enjoys writing and finds it therapeutic and you're not journaling, I highly recommend you start. And even if journaling doesn't come naturally to you, I encourage you to maybe keep a notepad or some sort of a a form of pen and paper, or if you like to do it on your phone, to process some emotions and really take the time to pause. So usually when a craving hits, there's very little time between the time we think about it and the time we're eating. Seconds, sometimes less than 10 seconds between the time I'm thinking about a food and it being already in my mouth. If you can insert a pause and take that time to write, to journal, to reflect on what you're doing, that sometimes can diffuse a binge if that's what you've been experiencing, or it can just diffuse that desire to eat, okay? And when I say pause, I'm not talking about taking an hour break because that could be hard to do. I'm talking about something as simple as three to five minutes to sit with your craving, to sit with your emotion and really think about what is going on. What am I feeling? Is food really what I need right now? How is this gonna make me feel later? And how am I gonna continue toward my health goals if this is the pattern that I have. Usually when people manage emotions with food, it's not conducive to health because it's a pattern that repeats itself and you almost have to increase the amount of food or kind of like the dose in order to feel the same relief. So it pulls you in and it kind of snowballs. So anyone here who's listening, who's dealt with emotional eating, you can likely relate to what I'm saying And this, by the way, also has to do with dopamine, because if I'm used to eating when I'm stressed, my brain is going to learn 
that in order to get the dopamine release, I need to eat when I'm stressed, right? So if I eat when I'm stressed and I go for carbohydrates and now I feel better for maybe five or 10 minutes, I'm now teaching my brain to trigger me to do this every single time. So this has to be unlearned before it could be healed. So there's a little bit more of a process to this, but I wanted to touch on it because it is a reality for a lot of women. I think journaling can help. I think taking a pause and really reflecting and kind of being okay with being uncomfortable and feeling negative emotions is part of the journey, okay? If we could all avoid negative emotions all of the time, it would be great, but it's totally unrealistic, right? So we have to learn to feel those negative things and not try to shove it down and shut it down with food. So I just wanted to mention that. Okay, and then let's talk finally about supplements. So we talked about appetite, we talked about meals, we talked about sleep, we talked a little bit about emotions and hormones and periods. Let's talk about supplements. There are only two supplements that I wanna talk about because I don't like to use a ton of supplements. I think for the most part, what you're trying to accomplish, if you're in this group, can be done with food, can be done with meals, can be done with the right mix of nutrients in your day. And I've seen it, I know it works. So this is my philosophy and my approach, but sometimes we do need a supplement to fine tune things a little bit further. So the two supplements that I would recommend are one is inositol, and you may already be taking inositol, have heard of inositol, which is a wonderful supplement for women with PCOS because it works on a gamut of things. It works on a variety of symptoms, all of them are related to insulin. So inositol is a type of, we call it a pseudovitamin because it's not really a vitamin, but it kind of works similar to a vitamin that helps sensitize the body to insulin. So it will lower insulin. It can restore periods or help restore periods. It can also help with anxiety and depression. So I like to use it when someone has a lot of cravings because it works on multiple things that could be triggering those cravings. Like I just said, And then the other one that does the same thing, and actually, let's take a step back. So inositol, there is a very popular brand called Ovacetol that everyone knows about and a lot of women are using. You can use regular inositol. Ovacetol is a little expensive. You don't um, really have to go with that. You can use regular inositol. And in my episode that I did on supplements, I talked a little bit about dosages and things like that. Again, always, always consult a healthcare professional, okay? I'm a licensed dietitian, but I'm not your dietitian. I don't really know anything about you, certainly not by this communication where I can't really talk to you and ask you questions about what you're doing and what you're taking and what your labs look like and things like that. So make sure that you're consulting someone before starting on it. It can lower blood sugar. So if you're already taking something else like metformin, for example, to lower blood sugar, you may want to check before you start on it, okay? And then the other supplement that's really great is magnesium. Magnesium is a wonderful, wonderful supplement to take. What we know is that a lot of people have low dopamine levels, which again can cause anxiety, some depression, and is somewhat linked to cravings. A lot of those people who have low dopamine also have low magnesium levels, So we want to make sure that we're upping magnesium. Magnesium is wonderful for sleep, by the way, as well. It's a muscle relaxant. 
as part of its role, it relaxes muscles and that can help you fall asleep. It helps with anxiety and it can also help with blood sugar control. So again, it works on multiple possible causes of cravings and that's why I like magnesium. You can use magnesium citrate. Usually the dose is somewhere around 500 milligrams per day. I would take it with meals in the evening if you decided that it's a good kind of supplement for you. It can cause some digestive issues, so it kind of relaxes everything, okay? So it can cause some loose stools. So again, consult someone. If you want to consult me, make sure that you're doing that. So what I think I'm going to do now is go to your questions, and let's see the questions that you guys have submitted. All right, so Amanda, who I don't think is here, I think Amanda is probably working right now because I know she's a teacher, but Amanda says, TMI, thanks for the warning, TMI, but it's my time of the month, and I have these insanely intense food cravings. Right now, it's green beans, hot dogs, and salmon. I don't typically have this intense of a craving, so does anything significant happen to women with PCOS when they are on their period in terms of cravings or otherwise? Yeah, so good question. So I already covered the fact that estrogen has a lot to do with this, and When we get our periods, when women get our periods or around the time of the month when you would have a menstrual cycle, estrogen typically goes down and progesterone goes up. So like I said, if estrogen is going down, there could be a need for more dopamine and maybe that's why your body's triggering you. I don't know if it would naturally trigger you to eat salmon and green beans, which I don't think are that bad of a craving, but hot dogs, yes, salty, fatty foods, that could be in there as well. So it could be related to estrogen. It could just be your body feeling a little bit like, you know, PMSy. So maybe anxiety, maybe discomfort, maybe, you know, bloating. And there could be a desire to eat based on that as well. But I give you permission, Amanda, and Amanda and I know each other for a long time. So I give you permission to eat all the salmon and green beans. All right, let's see here. The next question I have is from Ashley. Ashley says, I crave carbs, pasta, bread, and rice specifically. I know rice can be swapped for veggie-based rice or quinoa, or bread can be swapped for lettuce wraps or mushroom buns and pasta for spaghetti squash. Yes. Are there better alternatives of actual carbs when a craving hits? Especially when I can tell the veggie replacement just won't hit the spot. For example, Pasta, is chickpea or lentil pasta a better option or is it all the same? That's a really good question. And I agree with you. If you have a craving for pasta, you don't want to eat zucchini noodles, right? That's not the same thing. At least for me, I would much rather try to manage and eat the real thing because what ends up happening is you eat the zucchini noodles or you eat the mushroom bun and then you still want the other thing. So the craving doesn't really go away because to begin with, like I said, it's pretty specific. So what I would say to that, Ashley, is make sure that you are allowing some of the craved food maybe earlier in the day when you have more control, sometimes people will introduce the craved food later at night. And that's the time where everyone's willpower is at its lowest, right? So when you have more control, maybe on the days that you have craving, you have a small pasta dish for lunch and you add a protein to that and you make sure that your snacks later on are more fat-based. Maybe you eat some pistachios or something like that later on. So you can have more of the craved food earlier in the day 
portions do matter. So if you feel the need to eat something like bread, make sure that you're planning it out and you know how you're going to eat it. I would say don't resist your cravings. Have them. Just do it in a way that's planned early in the day and paired with protein and fat so that you can feel fully satisfied after that. And then, yeah, something like lentil pasta or anything that's higher in fiber and slightly healthier is a good alternative. So definitely sprouted bread or um, chickpea-based pasta are options that I opt for a lot and I feel good about it. And they satisfy my craving because they're not a replacement that's so far away from it, right? So if you try to replace bread with lettuce wraps, that's not an even swap. So I hear you on that. And I think if you opt for the fiber-rich foods, and then make sure you're having them in, in the right portions early in the day. And then, you know, balancing it out. It should work out okay. In terms of things that are more, you know, chocolate and things like that, I usually say, you know, dark chocolate or something like Lily's chocolate. If you guys are familiar, it's a stevia sweetened chocolate that's delicious. It's mostly dark chocolate. It comes in different flavors. So if I know I'm going to have a craving or before my period, I really want chocolate, Ah, you better believe I'm going to plan to have chocolate. I'm not going to try to resist it. So it's all about feeling good about your choices and knowing that you can get back on track even if you did eat chocolate that's not, you know, lilies or dark chocolate or something like that. It's okay. Just move on. What you don't want happening is falling into this cycle of cravings and salty, sweet, salty, and it pulling you in. And now you're three, four, five days into eating based on your cravings. That's a different story, right? So I think planning has a lot to do with it. And yeah, you can find alternatives that are healthier. Typically, they're going to be less refined, higher in fiber and more natural. That's what I would say to that. All right. Alyssa wants to know, I sometimes have strong cravings for red meat and dark chocolate. I take B-complex and try to eat enough protein and definitely need to ensure I take magnesium. Any other ideas? I would look at the fat content, Alyssa. I would take a look and see if you're eating enough healthy fats because that could be something that's lacking. And sometimes we feel like something is missing. It's sometimes the fat. So adding a salad with avocado or cooking with a little bit more olive oil. Also making sure that you're taking in enough calories and not too few carbs. Okay, so sometimes people try to cut carbs and they get overzealous. They cut too many carbs. Again, the brain needs carbs. So anytime that we're going to cut them, there's going to be this desire to eat them more and more and more. As far as a craving, I think, let me go back and read it again. Strong cravings for red meat and dark chocolate. Yeah, I would recommend the magnesium, see if that helps. And as far as cravings for red meat, that could actually signal a, a deficiency in iron. So I don't know how you are in terms of that, but you may want to get that checked out. Sometimes people will crave red meat because they have a slight deficiency in iron or not a good absorption of iron. So I would check that as well. All right. I hope this was informative. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm going to be back here next week. I'll announce the topic on Monday or Tuesday. If you don't have a copy of my guide, go check it out, daphnachazen.com forward slash PCOS plan. 
and definitely look through my library of podcast episodes. I've elaborated on a lot of the points that I touched on in this live. So some additional information is over there. You can skim through the different episodes and see what topics catch your interest. And that's pretty much it. I'm going to go back to take care of my son who has the flu. And I hope you all have a great week. I hope I don't get the flu because <laughs> I had it last year and it was miserable. I'll catch you again next time. I did set up a tagging system for recipes. So I'm going to post about that. If you have any recipes that you'd like to share, put them in there and tag them as a recipe and everyone will be able to find it much more easily. All right. I'll talk to you again soon. Have a great weekend. Bye guys.